You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to Episode 2 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. And thanks to you for listening, wherever you are in the world. And we should state outright that we are not healthcare professionals, and anything stated on this program should not be construed as medical advice. Today in the program, we're honored to have one of the many thousands of people Corey has helped over the last four years. And what we want to do with this podcast is spread that assistance and information to people all over the world. Mandy Drew lives in Alberta, Canada. Her baby daughter, Cheyenne, was diagnosed with stage 3 neuroblastoma. And Mandy is here to tell her story. Mandy, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now, tell me about uh, Cheyenne. How old was she when you got the diagnosis of neuroblastoma? Cheyenne was 15 months old, 18 months old when she was diagnosed. Only 18 months old. And uh, yeah. what was her condition like? What uh, what prompted you to take her to the doctor? Uh, the only thing that really stood out was a lump where I thought it was her hip bone. I just thought her hip bone was sticking out more on one side than the other. That was it, just a, a bump. She did have rosy cheeks now that I know it was a symptom. And she was stumbling a lot, but I thought those were typical things. And really, all in all, it was just a display, I thought, uh, a hip bone sticking out. Mm-hmm. Mandy, for those uh, listeners who don't know what neuroblastoma is, can you explain it? Yeah, neuroblastoma is uh, the immature nerve cells that just keep dividing and dividing and doing what cancer does, and it eventually creates a tumor. And what is the survival rate of children with neuroblastoma? When she was diagnosed, it was a 30% chance. It all depends on staging, like the the medical diagnosis, but hers was a 30% chance to live for the next five years, and then it dropped down to 10% for the next five years. So the long-term prognosis was not good? No, she's medically diagnosed as terminal right now. Terminal. Now, uh, when when your doctor uh, gave you this diagnosis, tell me how that impacted you uh, emotionally. Uh, the initial cancer diagnosis was pretty hard. Uh, I was sitting there joking with the oncologist, not even knowing where I was, what I was doing, and then saying, I know she told me my daughter has cancer. So that hit pretty hard, and it made us really buckle down and start researching. And then after we got the nothing's going to take her home and love her, that's when we really buckled down, got in contact with Corey. We started diets. It's just really hard to explain the emotional pain. I guess we could just put a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So the medical community told you that nothing is going to help her and you should simply take her home. And what what was the phrase you used, Corey, uh, when I we think, were talking about this? I think when Mandy um, contacted me, what she said was uh, that the doctor had said um, that the tumors were wrapped around arteries and stuff, um, or major parts, and um, that there was nothing they could do and to take her home and make memories. 
So you started researching uh, cannabis oil, or you started researching anything, I, I imagine, Mandy, in order to help your daughter. Yeah, that was. I would go back to the hotel room at night. Her father stayed with her some nights, and I'd go back, and I just natural cancer cures, natural cancer, neuroblastoma, natural. I just get on the internet, and I, I went hard at research. And uh, you stumbled on Corey. Tell me, uh, Corey, do you remember uh, Mandy contacting you? I do, yes. Um, I think it was in May of 2014 that I first heard from her. Mm-hmm. Would that be right, Mandy? Around May of 2014? Uh, 2000... Or 13. 12, 13. No, 14. 2014. Wait, she was diagnosed in 13, 14, yes. So, Mandy, tell me what uh, Cheyenne is like now compared to what she was like when you contacted Corey? Cheyenne, when I contacted Corey, Cheyenne was a tiny little girl that was, she was just skin and bones. There was nothing to her. She she was falling around a lot. She couldn't jump. She couldn't climb stairs. She was lifeless. There was, there was just nothing left after all the conventional treatment. And so you got... And I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, after I got in contact with Corey, and we did get her started on cannabis, within a month she was able to walk upstairs by herself. She started to be able to jump. She wasn't falling anymore. It was just incredible. She ate... She was putting weight on. Her hair is growing like it was growing amazing. Her skin, her nails, everything, every aspect of her changed once being on cannabis. Did you have a gut feeling this would happen, or were you shocked at uh, her rapid development as a result of taking cannabis? I was cannabis? shocked at first. And then after I, the initial shock was over that, oh, my God, this is doing amazing and then it's just, I don't know, it's getting better and better. I'm more confident about it. Like, I, it's going to work. And uh, at first I was kind of... Kind of skeptical at first. Pardon me? I, I, I would suspect yeah, you were... Yeah, just because I was entering a whole new world. I was playing God when I really <laughs> am just a mom. Now, Mandy, tell me about the, the reaction you received from the medical profession when they found out you were giving Cheyenne cannabis oil. They shut us down. The, uh, the oncologist didn't want nothing to do with us. He was telling us it'll never work, it'll never work. He wouldn't prescribe it to us. And he just kept trying to push a different kind of drug that we already know, and now it is out there. It don't work, and they stopped giving it to people. But they, uh, we got shut down by the oncology unit. The doctor wants nothing to do with us. So it's and almost they as, usually keep us in separate rooms. It's almost as if you've been blacklisted by the medical profession. Actually, we have, because I got called by a nurse the other day, and she uh, asked about Cheyenne's catecholamine counts, because she had them done almost two months ago. And what? And she goes, doing the same Narrow, uh, catecholamines is what they used to do neuroblastoma markers. Okay, and what was her count? And she had that test. Yeah. Her count, um, they didn't give me the, they won't give me the actual documents. They're, they're making me jump ropes to be able to get them. So 
don't get a lot. I have them up until a point. Some are up, some are down, and she said that it's stable. Everything is still showing stable. And if she, and then I was talking to her, and she said, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "We're doing natural. We're still doing natural. We're doing cannabis. We're doing diet, detoxing, all that stuff." And she instantly shut me down and hung up on me. Isn't that interesting? They don't want to. They don't want to really, hear about it, do they? They don't know because they don't. They ask about it, and then as soon as you start talking about it, they shut you down. They want nothing to do. They say, all right, and they're in the conversation, get up and leave. Is it uh, more difficult uh, with the medical profession in Alberta than it is in British Columbia? Cannabis-wise, yes. We're very closed in Alberta about it. It's not easy to get, although it is becoming easier now, but British Columbia is the place to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier that that's my my goal is to get to BC so her medicine is easier to access. Did your family and friends were they supportive of what you were doing? Yeah, a hundred percent. And then once they seen the difference that it made, they're a hundred percent. They're they are tell people like they tell people Cheyenne stories or everything. It's just. It's huge support for my family, just because they've been by my side. They've seen the difference that it's made. And you can just look at Cheyenne. The difference is right there. Yeah, the pictures uh, I've, I've seen of her are just remarkable, going from this frail uh, little baby to this thriving young little girl. Yeah, and you would never know she has a mask with her. Yeah. and Besides, like Medically, she should be paralyzed right now, and... She jumps and dances and hops and skips. That uh, how much cannabis oil do you give Cheyenne a day? Right now, we dropped down to half a gram a day. She was on a gram a day for two years, and after she remained stable for that long, I've brought her down to half a gram, and things are still tests are still coming back stable. And uh, she was okay when you first uh, gave it to her? She was, yeah. She would, the initial, she would do the normal. She would get hungry and she would eat and eat and eat. And you'd watch her eyes get heavy and she'd just fall asleep. And it never really hit her too hard. When do you give uh, the cannabis oil to her? When we were doing a gram a day, we did three times a day. Mm-hmm. But now that we're down to half a gram, I give it to her after supper. So she pretty much sleeps through any effects that she might have. Yeah, she does. Usually it affects, like you see the hunger starting to come on within 35 to 45 minutes. She'll eat and eat and eat, and then she will watch TV and go to sleep. And wake up refreshed, and like any normal kid, she's not drugged out, dragging or anything? Not, um, no, she... Uh, she kicks my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get up, Mom. <laughs> she wakes up, yeah, and she's ready to rock. Mandy, does uh, Cheyenne know that uh, she has a medical condition? No, she doesn't. I never let her know. I don't tell her. We we don't really talk about it, so we don't give it the power. Good. You just treat her like uh, like she's normal and there's nothing wrong with her. Exactly, yep. Like, there's... 
she's a completely healthy child because if I didn't tell you her diagnosis, you would never know. Yeah, and if you if you tell her what's wrong with her, uh, the subconscious mind can do incredible things, and uh, you know it can either work to your advantage or work to your disadvantage. And uh, I think you know, yeah, exactly. You're probably doing the right thing by not telling her that anything's wrong with her because she will believe that she's healthy and normal, and uh, life goes on. Yeah, exactly. I just like uh, when we do. I put essential oils on her. I call it special time. I was like, come here, honey. Let's lay down and do special time. And she'll lay down. Let me put the essential oils on her belly and on her back. And I'll tell her to picture, like sometimes I tell her to picture cells in her body eating other cells. She understands that. Hmm. Well, I, I do a lot a f- of positive stuff with her. Yeah, that's almost a form of visualization, eh? Yeah, exactly. So that way I'm putting that into her mind. If she's thinking about that, I'm putting those oils on there, like all the other, everything. That's a, you know, you have a great, uh, a great attitude with her. How much is the, uh, the cannabis oil costing you each month, Mandy? $900 a month at a discounted rate. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that is almost as much as my rent. And you've had to sell nearly everything in order to uh, to purchase cannabis oil, have you not? Yep, I've sold everything. I have clothes and a vehicle left. I've sold my house, all my belongings, everything that was worth a penny I've sold. Corey, what, uh, you wanted to do something for Mandy. What was it? Yeah, Mandy, we'd really like to put together a fundraiser for you and Cheyenne. Um, we'll post a link to it up on my Facebook page, uh, Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E, uh, the initial G, Yelland, Y-E-L-L-A-N-D. This medicine is so expensive, unfortunately. Um, and for anybody who was even working, it would, it would be expensive. But, uh, Maddie's got another child, a baby as well. And, uh, just reaching out to all of you to please, um, Step forward and donate some money to uh, Mandy and Cheyenne. Let's keep this little girl going. Uh, she's doing so well. If you looked at her, you would have no idea that she was sick. Uh, the The difference is night and day. I think we're going to put some pictures up, some before and after pictures, so people can actually see. Yeah, Mandy, do you mind if we put pictures up uh, on our website as well? Yeah, for sure. If she does have a uh, Facebook page as well. Yeah, we have a Facebook page, Twitter account. And a website. And a website. We're a global Okay, no, she has her own Facebook page, too. Perfect. Oh, she does? Oh, that's fantastic. She does, yes. Support for Cheyenne and her family. And it's all right from day one. You can go back and see everything we've ever been through. Hmm. Mandy, do you get uh, inquiries from people around the world who have similar issues with their children? I do, yeah. I I get them by the hundreds. And how uh, how do they respond when you tell them that you are giving cannabis oil to your child? Most are fairly well because they're in the exact same position I was in. You're told there's nothing left. Just love them, make memories. And so they're usually pretty well about it. The sad part is, is in a lot of places you can't get it or it's so illegal that it's hard to even take that initial step to do that. 
Well, there's some people that I wish would have tried it, and but majority of the people say okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't force anyone to do it. You just have to say this is what uh, this is what I have done. This is what has worked for my child, and uh, the option is theirs. And I'm sure anyone in a situation yeah, like much. anyone who's in a situation like you, who saw her daughter uh, dying before your eyes, uh, would do anything they could to uh, to well, reverse that. Yes, because the first doctor I went to BC to get her first prescription from, he came right out and asked me, "Are you going to do this if I say no?" And I told him, "I have you. You can't take my right to save my child." I, I walked out with the prescription because I told him I have to do this. I, if she dies, I have to be able to live for myself, that I've tried everything. No, that was interesting. So he uh, may have been reluctant somewhat, but uh, realized that uh, you were trying to save uh, Cheyenne's life. and uh, gave- Yeah, the, the, the doctor scared me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think at this stage in the game, there was no other choice. I mean, it was basically a last resort, you know, and you were coming from a place of desperation, anything to try and save your child. Actually, he made me break down and cry when he told me I'm a desperate mother trying to save my dying child. And that's when things got really heavy in our appointment. And I came right out and told him that I have to do this. Well, I remember, I don't know if you recall, because it was such a tumultuous time for you, but I remember at one point you saying that she was that she had been dying in front of your eyes. She was. Yeah, I, that image will never leave my mind. She just laid there. There was nothing left but just a little soul in a body. And now look at her, Mandy. <laughs> now she's a firecracker and <laughs> kicks the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very encouraging for listeners who may have uh, children with neuroblastoma, the same as uh, Cheyenne, to learn that cannabis oil uh, has helped her. Uh, We won't say that she's 100% because she's not, is she, Mandy? But she's thriving. Yes, you would never know. Unless I tell you her diagnosis that I don't believe is true, you would never know. And when does she start school? She starts school next September. Next September. Kindergarten? Yeah. Kindergarten, yep. And if you had gone the conventional medical route, what do you think your situation would be today? I'd be visiting my daughter's grave site instead of holding her in my arms. Well, it's nice to know that you're not doing that. Yeah, it's amazing to know. It's, uh, the medical, all that medical stuff would have killed her. She wouldn't have had much time left. Because by the time I actually got medically released and we were able to do is won it with her. She was there and they were gone. And how long was uh, Cheyenne on chemotherapy? She had six months of it, so 36 injections. 36 different chemo, like, doses of chemo. 36? And, yeah. And you were indicating uh, that this did not help her? She was resistant to it? Yeah, she, they, after the sixth round, they took another biopsy. And after all the tests were done, she came back chemo-resistant. That chemotherapy wasn't going to work for her. That's why it never had worked for her. 
Mm. And the tumor actually grew while she was receiving chemotherapy. And then didn't they do some surgery or attempt surgery? They did. They attempted surgery. Um, then the surgeon came back. He threw his hands up in the air and he said, I tried. It would be a mistake to continue because it's wrapped around her aorta. It's all around her organs. It's got the uh, the spinal sac pushed. It, it's a miracle right now that it's everywhere. Like it's everywhere is entangled in her belly. I think it was at that that point that you contacted me. Yes. Yeah, and the difference now, again, as I, as I said, the difference right now is amazing. Yeah, she uh, she should not be able to walk now, should she? Because of uh, the entanglement. No. It's amazing. She no, does. she shouldn't. Um, yeah, because the spinal sac should have busted. Hmm. Now, are the tumors uh, shrinking at all or, or dissolving, to the best of your knowledge? No, they're, they're not, but they are calcifying off, which eventually, as it calcifies, it'll just enclose itself. Which I is, see. Which is, you so know, it, in, in some way, a form of apoptosis, you know, it is dying. Yeah, it's the best thing I can get. If it's not going to shrink, I want it to close itself off, so that way it's trapped in its own little state and uh does, does and who knows, when she gets older i can try more things with her too once she understands what we have to do then it'll be easier to get her to do more cannabis more juicing more everything that goes along with everything mm-hmm. now once the 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 tumor is, is calcified is there a way that the body eliminates that or does it just stay there do we know it that? It could. Yeah. So as she's growing, uh, if the tumor remains the same size, uh, it will be smaller in proportion to the size of her body. Exactly, yeah. It'll just, she'll keep growing and it will just be there. It'll just be a foreign object there. Yeah, it'll be like those... There those... is another lady that that happened to. Oh, I see. Tell us about that. Um, she didn't do cannabis. She did the juicing. This was back in 93 where cannabis wasn't even big back then. Mm-hmm. But she did pretty well everything we're doing. And she got her son's tumor to calcify and close itself off. He is now, I think, the other day I seen, he's 23 years old. Fantastic. He uh, still uh, has his tumor, and <laughs> but he's good to go. It's, it's, it closed itself off, so it can't ever go anywhere. Interesting. How old was, was uh, he's 23 now, how old was he when he was first diagnosed? I think he was three or four. Oh. He was just a young boy. And she juices. Uh, the mother was yeah, juicing. Yeah, she did. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, oh, she yes. has two books out. Yes. You do? Yeah, yeah I, I, I can't recall her name right now, but I, I, I remember speaking with her. And when oh, you, I that I like that woman. She's a very nice woman. And when you juice uh, cannabis, you don't get high because it has to be heated to act to uh, activate the THC. So, Correct. So anyone can drink it. It's like uh, having kale. Kale juice. Kale I juice. would recommend we all have a big glass of cannabis juice today because all the good stuff that's in there, we can all use it in today's world. Oh, absolutely. 
So, Mandy, uh, tell us what's, uh, what's in store for you, Cheyenne, and uh, your other baby. What's your other baby's name? Ashlyn. Ashlyn. What's in store for the three of you? Just pretty much at this point, try to keep up with doing what we're doing. It's so freaking expensive. And <laughs> if Cheyenne gets older, I want to start doing more and more. More and but more. But we're just going to... You mean more and more? Yeah, more and more. Yes, yeah. if she's older. Because I would like to be able to get this to shrink. Well, so at uh, this point, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Well, on Corey's uh, Facebook page, we'll see if we can uh, raise some money to help you out. That would be wonderful that I... I don't even know how to thank you enough for that. Well, no, I think uh, you've done a fantastic job with uh, Cheyenne, and uh, I, I commend you for uh, for putting her before anything else and doing whatever you can to uh, save her life. And uh, one day, the two of you will sit down with a glass of wine and have an interesting chat. <laughs> And I hope it's with Corey Ellen. <laughs> uh, thanks. If there's wine there, Corey will be there. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> uh, me too. We could use the glass. <laughs> Mandy, anything you want to say in conclusion? Yeah, I want to say that don't, don't not think that cannabis won't work for you. I want people to get out there. I want the word out there. There is a better way to treat a lot of ailments in life than the medical Give cannabis a, th- uh, a shot. Don't ever think it won't work. Mandy, you're you're right on. Uh, it was great to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, you Mandy. That's uh, Mandy Drew. She lives in Alberta, Canada. Corey, Mandy's a remarkable young lady, isn't she? She most certainly is. Yeah. Yeah. She's. Uh, I mean, she's taken this uh, to heart. Uh, of course, it's uh, you recall the the time that you received your diagnosis, and it's gut wrenching. It is gut wrenching, and I cannot begin to imagine what it would be like to have a child a diagnosed child with like cancer. That. One of the things that uh, I think I want to read this uh, for our listeners because it's from uh, marijuanadoctors dot com. It's a site in the United States, and it's how to tell if you have an endocannabinoid deficiency. And uh, you can find this. We'll post this on the website as well. It says the endocannabinoid system plays a hand in many of the body's normal functions. The body contains two major endocannabinoids, and one which uh, I'm not going to pronounce because it's far too long, but it has the acronym AEA, and uh, another one which has the acronym 2AG. Now, CB1 is the receptor in the brain where endocannabinoids influence short-term memory, pain, emotion, hunger, and other basic human feelings. When these endocannabinoids are at proper levels, the body is able to function well. When they are out of balance, however, they can affect numerous systems within the body. It is thought that an endocannabinoid deficiency is responsible for many of the hard-to-treat illnesses alleviated by medical marijuana that are currently increasing in today's world and show improvement with the treatment of cannabinoids found in cannabis. The endocannabinoid system is largest neurotransmitter system in the body. In fact, it's larger than all the others put together. 
the endocannabinoid system is divided into neurotransmitters and receptors. Neurotransmitters carry messages between the body and brain. In order to convey these messages, the neurotransmitter needs to attach to a transmitter that then takes it to where it needs to go. For example, when your stomach is empty, neurotransmitters located in the digestive system lock onto a receptor and travel to the brain. When that specific chemical reaches the brain, the brain releases hunger signals that tell you it's time to eat. This message system is involved in nearly every type of metabolic function. An endocannabinoid deficiency can result in one of two ways. First, the body may not produce enough, or it may produce too much of the endocannabinoid itself. A second way that things can go wrong is that the receptors fail, bond with the message chemicals, and therefore the message does not reach the brain. In either case, the messages become jumbled and the body responds incorrectly. This can result in conditions such as chronic migraines, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, and other chronic conditions that appear to have no easily recognizable cause. Now, the miscommunication of the endocannabinoids often result in extreme pain, digestive disorders, chronic fatigue, and mood disorders. Each of these disorders is often comorbid or a Occurring together, and the cause is thought to be an irregular, irregularity in the endocannabinoid system. Now, let's talk about migraines. Endocannabinoids, like cannabidiol (CBD), interact with other neurotransmitters such as serotonin. In migraines, studies have shown that there is an often an excess of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is found in abundance within red blood cells, where endocannabinoids determine how much is released into the brain. When there's a lack of endocannabinoids, too much serotonin is released into the brain, resulting in migraines. Because the endocannabinoids help regulate pain, and there aren't enough in the body, pain is increased when the serotonin level exceeds proper limits within the brain. Now, this is interesting for folks who may have fibromyalgia or know people who do have fibromyalgia. While endocannabinoids such as THC and serotonin also are also thought to be part of the cause of fibromyalgia, it is in fact the lack of enough serotonin, serotonin that is thought to be the cause. So migraines, there's too much. Fibromyalgia, there's not enough. In this case, because the serotonin is not present, the endocannabinoids do not get the message that they need to release to decrease pain. Fibromyalgia results when pain receptors intensify pain to a level that exceeds what it should normally be. It's thought that the pain perceived by those suffering fibromyalgia is double that of those without the disorder. Now, there's irritable bowel syndrome. Yet another connection between serotonin and endocannabinoids is irritable bowel, IBS, with this disorder, the body experiences bloating, diarrhea, and abdominal cramps. Serotonin causes the spasms present within the digestive system. Those suffering IBS have shown to have an increased amount of serotonin, which indicates there is a lack of endocannabinoids to help curb the release of the serotonin. Now, in conclusion, how to tell if you have an endocannabinoid deficiency? Both serotonin and endocannabinoids are most prevalent within the brain. Both are related to basic reactions such as mood, pain, digestion, and stress. 
Disorders such as fibromyalgia, migraines, and IBS show a strong comorbidity with not only each other, but also with the emotional issues such as anxiety, depression, and bipolar disorder. Until recently, these disorders were mysterious to scientists because they could not figure out what determined the amount of serotonin within the brain. The discovery of endocannabinoids and the subsequent correlation to serotonin levels gives us a look into the possible cure of these mysterious disorders. And uh, the article says more research is still needed in order to fully understand the effect an endocannabinoid deficiency can have on the human body and how to most effectively treat it with the use of medical marijuana and cannabinoids such as CBD and THC. And medical marijuana has been found to alleviate the symptoms of an endocannabinoid deficiency, including conditions like migraines, fibromyalgia, and irritable bowel syndrome. I thought that was really interesting because uh, what we've had, uh, doctors uh, have trouble finding a cure for migraines. And your daughter has migraines. Yes. Yes. And it's a horrible. I've had, I think, one migraine in my life. And it's awful. But people who have migraines, they just suffer like crazy. They're not fun. They're not fun at all. And uh, what it shows is that by taking uh, endocannabinoids, cannabinoids, THC, CBD, uh, it can alleviate some of that. Now, what have you got for us? Uh, Just a reminder to listeners that Cannabis Health Radio is a listener-supported radio. To succeed in our mission to help people throughout the world, we rely on our listeners for contributions of any amount. If you'd like to assist us in our mission, please go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and click on the Donate icon in the upper right of the webpage. Here's why we do what we do. Hugh sent us an email that said, I was diagnosed with mesothelioma last November, stage 4. I couldn't and wouldn't do the conventional treatments and opted to do the Rick Simpson protocol. I did the full three-month program and no other intervention. After losing 35 pounds, I've gained back 20 pounds and have no noticeable symptoms at this time. All the cancer clinic would commit to was it's behaving itself. Uh, very interesting. Thank you for your email, uh, Hugh. And uh, if you want to email us, uh, email us at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. That's episode two. We'll be back tomorrow with episode three. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.